They may sound nuts, but so do the Wright brothers. Now, here's Flieger and Briggs. Welcome into It's Just Sports here on the 12 Ounce Sports Network. Check out everything they have to offer over at 12OunceSportsNetwork.com and on the tweeters at 12OZSports.com. Of course, you can follow your boys at Asylum Football on Twitter. We need to resolve that at some point, Rick. And it's just sports123 at gmail.com. Here we are, quarantine day. Uh, I just estimating it, Rick. I didn't have time to add it up. I believe it's 8,462. How is Mr. Rick Briggs dealing with his uh, self-isolation, I guess we'll call it? Well, here we are, April 49th, and everything <laughs> is okay. No, actually, my self-isolation isn't that bad because, fortunately, I'm still working full-time and have to drive my 25 miles to work every day, so I at least get out of the house and, and mingle around a bit and come back. But, oh, I'll tell you, it is, you know, as you can tell on on 12-ounce sports here, we are still practicing safe broadcasting in separate studios yet again. And it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon, to be honest with you, Rick. Nah, I never thought I would speak these words, and they will come back to haunt me. I miss you coming into the studio, Rick. I really do, and I don't want you. Luckily, you have neither the uh, the uh, wherewithal ability or work ethic to ever go back and cut this up and throw it back in my face. But if you could, I would worry about it. Um, no, I won't cut it and actually play it on a show, but I will constantly remind you of it. <laughs> this is brutal. Obviously, we apologized last week for the, the quality of the show. I think we've done some things. Rick, Rick has done some things in Studio A in order hopefully to get that's the resolved. Yeah, hopefully get that connection better. It was really bad last week, but I, I do so many things doing them in separate studios. I, I give these guys credit who can pull off good shows when they're not all in the same place. The timing isn't the same. They're not as funny. They're not as fun. It's just so, so hopefully, but we're, we're going to stick with it. But boy, I'll tell you what, Rick, I've said this every week since this started, but more and more, there is just less and less to talk about these days. You talk about scraping the bottom, bottom of the barrel for sports content. Anyhow, I could go on here and go nuts about anything else, but sports content's getting thin, brother. No, you're not kidding. And, you know, like you said, hats off to these guys in separate studios that pull off a show. Of course, a lot of those guys probably have a producer, which Alejandro Finkelstein, our former producer, is probably, I don't know what he's doing now. Um, he can't, you know, tour worldwide competitive dance any longer. He, he's quarantined himself, I do believe. He's probably combing his beard by himself well, I about the only thing I can figure out. I had to assume he's quarantined in some third world country so far and good for him. Hopefully they do like that video I saw in China a couple weeks ago where they were welding people into their homes. I hope I can only hope that's what's <laughs> happening to this ne'er do well, this, this charlatan who shows up, gives us hope of taking the show to the next level and disappears. And again, oddly, as nasty as you are to producers and as much as you demand they bring you in terms of alcohol and gifts, we're having a hard time finding another one. And I really, I don't understand it, Rick. I don't know. Well, Frank would gladly come back, but you're afraid of him. Oh, I ain't messing with Frank. (laughs) No, so we're kind of shorthanded. You know, Pedro, he's long gone. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why people don't want to do this for free. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. So, I don't know, Rick. There's a few things going on here and there. I think we'll just do do kind of scattershot. I'll tell you what, before we get into sports, I, I've decided, remember we talked about two weeks ago that the biggest epiphany for me is realizing that literally I have no interest in on this planet other than stuffing my fat face other than sports. So what I've decided to do, Rick, and people don't believe me when I say this. This is the God's honest truth, and Rick can verify this. I pay no, almost no attention to the news whatsoever. Politics, I pay no attention to. I'm going to say something that pisses people off almost more than anything in this world. I can't tell you the last time I voted. That, that's how out I am on all of this stuff. And so... 
what I've decided to do, I'm going to get informed about this COVID-19 situation, Rick. So I've been turning on these news channels, Fox, CNN, the, the NBC one. And my God, it's no wonder everybody is so angry and mean. The, the, the level of snark in, in, in the one sentence said on each network is something different. I, this is not stickery. I am stunned by what happens out there, gobsmacked by it, really. It's insanity. Well, I understand where you're coming from because, ladies and gentlemen, I am verifying he pays absolutely no attention to anything but himself and sports. Right, yes. And so when he decided to broaden his horizon and check out what he thought was just going to be Walter Cronkite, apparently. This is what I thought, yes. He watched the news. That's the way it was. (laughs) It doesn't happen anymore. It is... This is what we want you to think on this network. You go to the next network. Next network. This is what we want you to think. We go to a third one. This is another thing we want you to think. And poor Rick, he was just trying to get knowledge. He, number one, he defies authority. So when they're telling him what to think, number one, he's saying, I, you're not going to make me think. Number two, you're not going to make me think anything I don't want to think. And number three, I hate you, and I'm not going to think what you want me to think. And he switched channels. So I imagine that news coverage probably lasted probably 12 minutes. It, it, it's about that. But but I'm bouncing <laughs> around. I'm getting to learn. Look, I'm not completely – well, I am a complete idiot. But I understand, you know, Fox is on the conservative side and MSNBC's on the left. And I always had in my head that you know, despite what the president said, CNN was kind of in the middle. And I don't know what's what, but it, it's just – what, what really gets me is – and it is frustrating because I think if ever there was a time – and I don't care what perspective anybody comes from. First of all, I'm dumbfounded that the coronavirus and the response there, too, is following perfectly along party lines, near as I can tell from these TV networks. First, Amazing, isn't it? First of all, that, that bl- absolutely blows my mind. However, you, you kind of watch this, and it's frustrating. You want to find something out. You want to see where you're going, and that's all you're getting is, like you said, somebody telling me what my opinion on something should be, and I don't even I don't even know where to go to get anything I can trust. And then half the country say, "Well, you have to go to CNN if you want information you can trust." And the other half will be, "Well, no, you got to go to fun. no." That's not what I want to have to do. And it's just context matters so much. And I got to thinking about this in sports terms, Rick, because again, that's the only way my mind works. And I'm just thinking, you know, what would it be like if we lived in a sports world where? I get up in the morning, and let's go old days with with the newspapers, like anybody still had a newspaper, right? And I get two of them delivered to my house. And the one says that the night before, Ben Roethlisberger threw for 414 yards and four touchdowns. I think that's pretty darn good. But then the other one who's on the other side of the spectrum of the Steelers or Ben Roethlisberger said – Last night, Ben Roethlisberger threw 18 incompletions and two interceptions. Then I think, boy, he'd have a pretty bad game. I don't know, still don't know what the hell happened in the game. It's so frustrating. And I know you're into this stuff, and you follow the politics and the news, and you have all these – I don't know how you do it. It's, it's I, Do you get used to it, I guess? Because I am literally – people are going to think I'm making this up. I am literally, literally gobsmacked by all of this stuff. Oh, to be quite honestly – with you, I have not paid attention to much of anything oh, in the last couple of years because for just exactly the reasons we just spoke of. It, it's ridiculous. And you get on Twitter, it's the same thing. Um, you have sports experts, fantasy football experts, graphic visual artists, um, it, it's amazing how many experts on politics are out there <laughs> on, on, on what should be happening in this country, which, which stuns me. On, on how, There's so many experts out there, and yet Washington is just full of boobs. Right. And, and I don't know how we can get all of this intellect and expertise into Washington working as one 
great machine as those they like to tout themselves as being so wonderful. I don't know how to get that done because, you know, politics has just gotten Gee, I, I think it's dishonest, Rick. I'm starting to wonder, but you know that—that's what I think I'm probably most. Again, I shouldn't say surprised by, maybe disappointed by. I—I've always been being on Twitter is a big part of what we do here, right? Yeah, you have to have a social kind of presence, and you end up seeing all kinds of things. And we've joked about, and I've been doing it for years, and I think we've been doing it equally since all of this stuff started is just muting all the nonsense or blocking people who don't even follow us. We've never spoken to. I just blocked them so I don't have to see their crap, but I was always able to think and say and joke and was comfortable in the fact that, well, this is the scraping the bottom of the barrel, giving every idiot in a tinfoil hat, a, a platform. You know what I mean? Twitter isn't real life. You hear that all the time, right? Twitter isn't real life. Then right. you turn on the daggum news and it is, it is real life. That's where these idiots are getting this stuff from, isn't it? It's, a, it's just amazing to me. It is. And it's sad and discouraging and disgusting at the same time. But talk about discouraging and disgusting. How about the Chris Johnson saga? Wow. Yeah, that is. As it continues on. Yeah, that's. And... Any updates today? I mean, I just read kind of the initial stories over the weekend where not, no charges have been filed, but the prosecutors are working towards it, it sure seems. Yeah, the most up-to-date thing that I've seen that he has denied the charges, obviously, but if you, if anybody out there hasn't heard, Chris Johnson used to be the running back uh, for the Titans and then what, the Jets, I guess it was. Oh, no, Cardinals and then the Jets, or Jets-Cardinals, one of the two. I can't remember. But um, apparently, what was it, 2015 was um, involved in a drive-by shooting where one of his friends got killed and he was wounded. And now they are investigating Chris Johnson um, for murder to hire, basically connecting the dots is more or less like uh, revenge for this drive-by shooting about five years ago. Right. And it's yeah, scary. Yeah. First of all, but in the thing is, you know, of course he's denying it. I don't think this stuff gets public and ends up in court filings. If there's not something to it, right there, there's some type of involvement there. And I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, it, it feels odd that you know, that kind of drive by, and there may be stuff I'm forgetting. I remember that incident happening. I remember that being big news and probably discussing it on the show. But I don't remember there you ever hearing of character issues necessarily. There was never a lot of problems with Chris Johnson. This is really surprising. I mean, this doesn't rise to Aaron Hernandez levels, but I'll tell you what, it's pretty darn close as far as the sports world goes. Yeah, and um, the what is it? Let's see. The Trying to look at some details here. Um, it happened – Less than a month after the Jets released Johnson, I guess, then he went to the Cardinals. I couldn't remember exactly which way he went. But, um, you know, they think that that shooting was a gang-related murder attempt. And now that they're investigating this on Chris Johnson, that it's revenge for that attempted murder on his life. So he denies the charges, obviously. And innocent until proven guilty, but um, yeah, things can get a little dicey for Chris Johnson. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fascinating story to to follow along. You, you hope it's not true, although the shooting did happen. I guess the only thing in question for where we'd even be talking about it is what Chris Johnson involvement was in it but I was always a fan of the guy won me the initial uh, caveman league my initial caveman fantasy championship most importantly that that's for a different old show but I like to remind Rick of that because I beat him by less oh, than that a was point. D'Angelo Williams that you gave credit to and Chris Johnson I mean that and was, then a... it was Brett Favre anytime somebody comes up it always goes back to that stupid team you mean the that one that had. the one that beat you by less than a quarter of a point in the championship yes. that team yes that is <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we won't, we won't get down that road uh, here, Rick. So while, while we're talking about the NFL, here's something I'm curious about because I know how I feel, and I think this is going to be the rare occasion we actually agree on something to this level. 
But one thing we've seen happen in the last week was the rollout of some new uniforms in Tampa Bay and in Atlanta and a new Rams logo, new kind of modern, sleek-looking uniforms and logos. And I just wonder what uh, what a modern man like Rick Briggs thinks about these. Well, the Buck uniforms, I was a tad disappointed because, you know, of course, with the NFL rules, that can change, I think, after – this year, next year, I can't remember, but I really wanted to see Tom Brady in the cream symbol <laughs> orange before he retired. <laughs> yeah. uh, that being said, that I think those are the Super Bowl era uniforms that they went back to. Pretty close. Year, or, or very similar. Right. So, you know, I don't really have a problem with that, although I do like the cream symbol orange. The Rams, you know, you know I'm not – into this sleek I, I like the old ram stuff i'm sorry you know I, i'm just going to poo poo on this new logo if they just stuck some eyeballs on that ram head it may be okay but it's just it's kind of like the the pointy headed penguin that they had a few years ago probably about 20 years ago in, in hockey if you remember um that you know that the way the beak just came right, out yeah. it really didn't look like a, a penguin it was that sleek thing and they've gone back to the old um atlantis was to me just horrid (laughs) i mean yeah you can give me what you think but that was just dull and drab if you ask me yeah i here's the thing i'll start with the rams logo that one bothers me the most look i know they've been in st louis and it hasn't been i still feel like the rams are a heritage franchise in the national football league don't be tweaking with that logo as far as i'm concerned they should be wearing that blue and white or black whatever it is just with the rams head but then when you hire it and i had to assume they spent tens or if not hundreds of thousands of dollars if not more creating this new logo to look precisely like the L.A. Chargers logo. You can't tell the difference between that stupid horn and the C in the Chargers logo. I don't know why you do that. Again, I know they're rebranding everything. We got the new stadium, a new beginning in L.A. I'm sorry, the Rams, that's a heritage NFL franchise as far as I'm concerned. They've got great classic uniforms, a great classic logo with just the horn on your head. That, That is just brilliance and yeah. to mess with that is nonsense the 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 box I, I didn't love them and I'll get to that because it ties into the Falcons thing but you're right it's very very similar to the ones that they wore in the Tony Dungy era and the the Chucky era when they won the Super Bowl and were really competitive the the Lynch teams the, those type of teams but what I don't like about them, which is what I didn't like about them then, and what I really, really don't like about the Atlanta uniforms, and we'll get into the XFL here shortly, but it, maybe I, I'm turning into the old fuddy-duddy rig. I think you're, you're rubbing off on me. There's more than Corona being passed back and forth in this studio. There, there's your old crotchetiness, I think. Because I just I don't think we need to zip up and make every – NFL uniform, every pro sports uniform, but I'll stick with the NFL, kind of modern and sleek. And look, the Falcons are nothing classic, but these things look like you ever go to your boy played AAU basketball and you go to tournaments and these kids wear these ridiculous looking uniforms. The high school right. uniforms are kind of buttoned down and classic and the college the same. It's why I don't like Oregon and changing all the stuff all the time. I don't need all this fully gully stuff. I really don't. I, it, it drives me nuts. You know, you just put the ATL, you know what that that's going to give you street cred yeah. now, you know, old man, Arthur blank got street cred because he put ATL on the front of his Jersey. Ludacris was doing that 15 years ago, 20 years ago. You're a little bit behind there, clown shoes. Jim Rome's been doing that for 20, 25 years uh, in the natty. I mean, (laughs) that's going to be the next thing, you know, we'll see natty on the Bengals uniform. Yeah, and and that's what I don't want to see. You know, you feel like the NFL is probably the youngest franchise among the, the major sports franchises, at least the big three. 
I don't like it in the NBA. I get it. It's a, it's a little different in the NBA, and they have, you know, just the city and the this, the that is their alternate. I guess you can do whatever you want in an alternate uniform. The NFL, I just don't want this thing looking like, and I think the goofier these uniforms get, you look more and more like a second-rate league because this is what you see in the second-rate leagues. You see right. these goofy, wild uniforms. And I don't understand. You may sell a bunch to a bunch of stupid millennials or Gen Zers in the first week and a half, and then it's going to go away. And at the end of the day, again, it's the old farts like us who have all the money. And I agree with you on, on a lot of the Rams. That is a historic franchise. Keep keep with it. Atlanta's nothing that thrilling. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, they can do whatever they want. But that ATL, that, that was just dull and drab as far as I was concerned. The Bucks, you know, I already said what I thought about them. But pretty soon, what's going to happen? I mean, are they going to start messing with the Bears, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Packers. Exactly. You know, the, even the Lions. I mean, look at the Lions. They really have never changed. And Cleveland with, with the orange helmets and, and so forth. I mean, that's just I'm, – I'm sorry. I mean, anything other than that orange helmet for Cleveland is ludicrous. Right. In, in my mind, period. Um, you know, the Patriots changed – from the old Patriot holding the football to this sleek thing with the stars and everything and, and so forth. But now that they've had the history that they've had, I don't think it, you could change it. No, no. They've created the history with right. the new updated exactly. look. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this whole change of things, and, and let's face it, let's go back to the Rams for a minute. You mentioned, you know, they brought, they've spent, you know, minimum tens, most likely hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, you know, all told, you know, hundreds of thousands to get this design. But it still has to be presented and approved. Somebody's in charge approved this stupid design. Right, exactly. Now they've got all this merchandise printed out. Now you have literally millions of dollars tied up into it. Right. I mean, you know, maybe not all your jerseys and everything because you don't know who's all on the team yet. But you've got jerseys printed up or or made up and and helmets and and this kind of thing. So this design is not going away no matter how much we hate it. No, it's here for the long term. So I think that's just the thing. I just I think some things are sacrosanct, and you nailed it, right? You can't ever redesign the Bears. You can't ever redesign the Packers, the Steelers, the the Cowboys. They, they've done different yeah. things, but at the end of the day, that star and everything are the same. And I don't want to – look, I, you know, I guess I'm as guilty as anybody whining now and again that the league is stale and they're stuck in their ways. But, boy, something like that. Look, Atlanta, yeah, it is an heritage franchise. I just don't like seeing these teams go into these futuristic-looking uniforms. Look, whatever happens in college, fine. In the secondary leagues, fine. In the in the NFL, I, my, I'm no marketing guy. That's your job here, which is why we're, we're so big and we sell so many T-shirts. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm no marketing guy. But, boy, just churning that stuff through and changing it all the time, I think there's still room for the classics. It, it, I, I just didn't like it. it just they, All of them struck me as poor. I didn't care for any of them. No, I agree 100%. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I do disagree with you on the point that the NFL is stale because it's anything but stale. It has been nothing short of controversial every year for about the last five or six years with rule changes, poor officiating, um, you know, holdouts and these crazy deals and and this kind of thing. So I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. I I think if anything, the NFL needs to stabilize itself a little more. Right. That than some of these other ones. I mean, you know, you talk about stale. Let's let's just get the NHL moving a little bit. It used to be exciting. Now it has no exposure whatsoever. Is it stale? I don't know if it's really stale, but who's ever in charge of marketing and getting deals for the NHL is doing a very poor job because I know twenty years ago, I think I watched the NF NHL 
four times a week at least. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if not longer, not more. And it wasn't local games. I could sit in at the time I was living in Virginia. I, I sit at night. I can remember watching Calgary and Edmonton and you cannot find a game like that anymore unless you get what is it, quote unquote, the game of the week on NHL Network or maybe NBC later on in the season. That's about it. But, you know, the NFL, I don't think is stale. I think it needs to calm itself down a little bit. Yeah. Speaking of the NHL, you know, that that's interesting. It's something we, we've we've talked a lot, uh, talked about a lot for our English speaking friends. And it really, you really see how it just comes down to TV, right? And they lose that ESPN, ABC deal, and it's not on every night. What I don't understand with the NHL is you in a given night during the season, they have their own network, right? The NHL network. It feels like, and I could be dead wrong on this, but at four or five times a week, I can turn on the NHL network and be unable to find an NHL game on that network. There's 18 live games going on in the country at that moment, right. and they're showing some retrospective of the 1980s New York Islanders. Why aren't they showing live games? I don't understand it. And when you're the NHL network, the network of the NHL. Don't tell me you can't throw a few million dollars at, at uh, Gary Thorne and Bill Clement to come back and start calling games and, and just have the prime announcing crew for right. NHL than anybody I've ever heard. And your, your ratings would be fine, but let's get off of sports just for a minute. Well, you and I are, are video. Unfortunately, the audience isn't, but you know, Part of the things that you have to do, Rick, when you're isolated with this corona is you have to find interest, okay, which you have none. True, very true. Now, I'm going to show you a product of one of my interests. Oh, okay. And, and as you can see on the camera here, right. I, I, I popped the top so I didn't make noise. For those of you who can't see, it's one of those old jugs and it's got three x's on it and he's pouring out something that looks akin to 10w30 quaker state <laughs> so i take it this is a beer you've brewed yourself but yes and for educated listeners this is a winter stout that's about three months old still a little young it hasn't blended out right but it, it, isn't that just a gorgeous product rick I mean, it, you can see that it looks like a coke is what it looks like <laughs> I can't drink that dark stuff. I only like my trash, uh, Coors Light and Miller Light and Bud Light. So is it all hoppy? No, there's, there's not a lot of hops in a stat. It's very um, malty. Um, it has like a grainy start. You know what I mean? Like not grainy as in coarse texture. But, you <laughs> like know, there's you can really, sand in it. <laughs> you can really taste the... Um, the, the barley grain, and then it kind of finishes with a little hot bitterness on the back end, but it, it is really smooth. It's nutty. It is just marvelous. And when you're isolated, it goes down really smooth. Yeah, that's what you need is more reasons to be an alcoholic. But I, I do want to point out, because you can't see the video, you know, he, he talks about all those fancy words. Those were all fancy words for, and I just watched him do it. Fancy words for I have to chew my beer before I can swallow it, and so that 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 just didn't for me. I I, I wouldn't be a very good alcoholic. I, I'm your, I'm still like a college binge drinker. Only twenty five years too late is essentially what I am, and you can't do that with with nutty hoppy back end notes or whatever the hell. <laughs> nonsense you were just spew i i swear to god half of that doesn't even mean anything these are just words you say to the other beer brewing nerds so you have your own secret language so you can look down your noses at the rest of us budweiser drinking peasants that's that's what i'm claiming you ask him it was hoppy so you obviously must know what that is or unless it's just a word that you heard you know, you know for, damn well that's the case because we do the Christmas show and Alejandro comes in every year and that's all I do is yell about hops and if things are hoppy, I don't know what the hell a hop is or what one tastes like. You know that. We'll have to have a, a beer lesson. So we're looking for stuff to talk about. So maybe maybe one of the upcoming weeks we'll have a, a beer special. 
Well, sure, episode. you can do that. You can, and you can ask all the questions that you want. You know what I was thinking, Rick? While we're quarantined and bored and separate, one thing, and this is this was kind of the point, and I got away from it with me watching all the news. Now I've become political figure. I start to have uh, opinions on things all of a sudden. Do you think anybody would listen to a show if we got on here and recorded? I obviously twelve ounce wouldn't want it, but if we threw it up on the website and just to hear my inane thoughts on things as someone who at forty three years old has finally woken up to the world going on outside the bridge of his nose. Because I've got opinions now, buddy, and I want to share them. I think what we ought to do, only we'd have to do it earlier, because you know what happens after 8 or 9 o'clock at night. You pass out drunk. (laughs) Yes, we know. But one of the weeks that we spent in Canton covering the the induction ceremony, we imbibed a little bit too much the one evening. And we got to talking about politics. See, I don't even remember this, but you bring this up a lot. That's how much I'd had. Because what happened was you (laughs) babbled and droned on and on while I sat and watched TV and nodded about every five minutes just to let you know you could continue ranting. (laughs) And and it was, I, I wish it was on recording now because it was a tirade among tirades <laughs> and i have no recollection of it precisely did it make sense did i have any good points um i don't know i really wasn't listening <laughs> i you know i just nodded you know just to say uh-huh so you would keep talking and i could watch what was on tv now but... <laughs> now lest rick briggs paint himself as the conquering hero in this situation one thing while i don't remember that what i was doing while i was getting drunk and apparently offering <laughs> political opinions of some sort was using hotel wi-fi editing and submitting hours upon hours of shows and audio and everything i was up until four o'clock in the morning doing this all the while by 8 15 rick briggs is passed out asleep snoring and farting was all that was happening and every two hours he'd poke his head up and say are you done yet no i finally get done at four o'clock in the morning it's seven o'clock in the morning I hear the door of the hotel room getting kicked in like the police are coming in. And I hear, what, you going to sleep all day? Jesus, I already, where were we? We were in Atlantic City, wasn't it? No, that was Atlantic City where that happened. I think yeah, I'm, conflating, I'm conflating I'd incidents. I had breakfast and went for a walk. <laughs> I'd already been in bed for all an hour and a half. So thanks for that. So Sorry, this hey, is turning. not a problem. <laughs> this is... Hey, but, you know, let's, let's touch on something a little more serious. You know, you we talk about sports and athletes a lot you know and we talk about athletes uh you know this guy's he's a bomber blah 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 you know and you don't really stop to think you know that you know at the end of the day they're really just people you know i just bring it bring it up because you know you probably heard too tavares jackson yeah you know wrecked his car hit a tree you know and, and got killed left behind a wife and three young kids and you know he's only 36 years old and you know, just a, a sad ending, you know, and by all accounts, um, well-liked in the NFL, you know, a good teammate, and, you know, just, just a tragic story, really. Yeah, 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 you hate to see that, with anybody, obviously, but, yeah, young guy, young family, you forget how much potential he had, right? It never really panned out in terms right. of a long-term starting gig, but, you know, a really – Really excellent backup. And then the news come out. I saw it today. I don't know when it come out. That Carl Anthony Towns' mother passed away, actually, from the coronavirus, yeah. which is terrible, you know, terrible. And he's talked for a long time about, you know, how close he was with his mother. It starts to hit in those communities as well, you know, in, in the NBA fraternity. And just awful. So, so much sad news. That, that's why I just scream about nonsense to try to avoid that. Because now, now that I'm a political guy and I watch those news shows, I'm getting depressed. And so I, I, I can't much take it. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was crushed for, you know, I've mentioned him many times on the show, you know, the singer songwriter, John Prine, you know, you remember him 
uh, weird. My buddy in Florida, he's a guy that was in the second verse of one of his songs we played in our right, show one yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he passed away from the coronavirus as well. And, um, you know, this stuff's starting to, to really hit home when, you know, a lot of familiar faces are, you know, seriously ill or dying from this stuff. Yeah. So, so that's what I wonder. And I want to use that to Rick, uh, ease our way into some of the different ideas, Major League Baseball specifically, but but all the leagues are, are floating out there. Now, we obviously don't know this, Rick, but you've been around the block a few more times than I have. Just looking at the way things are going, the things are going politically, take the virus out of this thing. If you had to guess, and we've—I may have asked you this before. I'm going to ask you this every week because I—I I am just curious, kind of where your mind's at, because mine keeps changing. When will sports come back? Will we see a major league baseball season? Will we see an NFL college football season? I, I'm really starting to wonder if and when we see anything at this point. Yeah, I'm. We talked about this a little bit last week, I believe, and. You know, I fully expect the NFL to play. Um, NCAA is a little bit different, like you say. I mean, look, we're talking about young kids and students, student bodies. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be very tough. I mean, the, the answer is obviously we don't know. We may see a, an NFL season with no fans in the stands. Um, I'm thinking – 80 game baseball season probably tops. Um, I wish they would quit kicking around the NBA and the NHL. In my mind, scrap it. it, it it's too late. These playoffs take forever. And let's face it, the turnaround time is very short. I mean, they're back at camp at what, end of August into September or something like that. If they the stayed on the starts. same schedule, yeah. Yeah, well. But that's the thing. If they keep trying to jam some sort of season in, now what do you do? You shorten even another season the next year. You know what I'm saying? So it's – I think you have to be realistic because there's another point that I wanted to bring up. You know, just because – okay, say this thing goes – I don't know, what is it, April? Say you go May, June. Maybe things start cranking up in July. That's reasonable, right? I – don't let Florio hear you say that or Schefter, well, no, but I but, think you're probably right. <laughs> but this is worse than, yeah, an atom bomb, according to Florio. But <laughs> but say we get going back in July. You know, I, I really think it's really presumptuous of all these sports teams to think that, okay, we're starting to play games now, and la-di-da, here comes all the fans, and the stands are full and everything. You know, look, there's a lot of people have lost their jobs. There's going to be a lot of people that have been out of work for months. Right, and, yeah. You know, they're not just going to have 400 bucks to come drop on an on a afternoon of a sports sporting event. Right. And, and, and not to mention all the, you know, the, the popcorn and so forth and the jerseys and all that. You know, I, I think it's very presumptuous of them to think that just because we're coming back um, – everything is going to be back to normal and we can make some of this revenue back and, and all this, that, and the other, I think it's going to be a long haul back to be honest with you, because I don't think there's going to be a lot of disposable income right away. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a hesitation, not from everyone, but there's going to be a hesitation by a lot of folks to go back out there. Right. there around a crowd of people, right? Yeah. There was exactly. ESPN did a survey and it, it was a majority of people actually said they wouldn't. Now, it, it was very few people. It, it didn't seem like the greatest of surveys. But still, you know what I mean? It's coming from ESPN. And it was actually the majority of people said, I don't remember the question, but at, le at minimum said they wouldn't necessarily be comfortable, you know, going back out and, and going, going to a live sporting event. Kind of in response to that, Clay Travis, he did one on his Twitter feed. And he got thousands of responses. Now, again, not a good sample because they're sports fans and Clay Travis fans, and he's kind 
of been outspoken from the beginning of at least the optimistic view. I, I won't get into the politics of, but the optimistic view of we're going to beat this thing earlier. We're going to come back earlier. And it was still, you know, 70 percent, 75 percent in his survey said, yes, I'd be comfortable going back. But 25 percent of hardcore sports fans who would listen to and pay attention to Clay Travis, even then, that's a significant number. You you know what I mean when when I think about it. You know me, I'm a live sports guy. Again, we we joke about it, but truthfully, it's my only interest. I would go back. Would I take my daughter? Maybe, maybe not. But I tell you what, it's something I would think about anyhow. Something would never run through my head, you know. Otherwise, so it's kind of here's here's where I'm at with it. I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, a lot this week. And I think, you know, what comes back and when and how it comes back really depends on what the what sort of our goal is as a country as it relates to and these leagues as it relates to this disease. See, one thing I don't think we hear talked about anymore, and I think it's probably because it's become so political. You and I were talking before we went on the air how there seems to be two factions. Either everything has to come back now and anybody who thinks it doesn't is a sissy and a, you know, a worrywart and they're clutching their pearls. And the other half is if you even intimate that, boy, maybe if these certain things happen, we can get back to normal. We want everybody to die and there's nowhere in between. But anyhow, it seemed to be in the beginning beginning of this, Rick, is the conversation was surrounding sort of, we got to take these actions now. We've heard flatten the curve, right? You know, flatten this curve. There was never really a discussion that anytime soon this thing was going to go away and then it would just be back to life as normal. We had to flatten the curve so as to allow the kind of the medical community to keep up with the demand and that this thing was going to go on for a while. If that's still the conversation, then that becomes sort of the leagues have to decide, the fans have to decide, the local governments, everybody has to decide kind of what's the acceptable risk, right? We've got it to a certain level. Now, what What's the acceptable risk we go back to normal? That that felt like that was originally the conversation. Now that we've gotten into these absolutes, anyhow, so under that scenario, things come back sooner, right? You could see a football season happening. You could see the end of a baseball season. Now the conversation seems to be shifted to, at least it feels like, is we have to have this thing eliminated before we can go back to anything. If that's the case, Rick, we're not playing sports at least in front of people for minimum year and a half, probably more than that. Well, one thing you have to remember too, is like you talk about flattening the curve. They talk about flattening the curve in Spain and flattening the curve in Italy and so forth and flattening the curve 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 here. Yeah. Maybe the curves flattened in New York, but Pennsylvania hasn't even peaked yet. Okay. I mean, we have, you're talking about Italy. It's about the size of the state of Florida. So, I mean, you know, we have how much more territory and how many more people that this is going to affect before their curve is flat, if you know what I mean. By the time, you know, say Iowa's curve is flat or Colorado's or whoever, because your sports played in all these places. And just because... New York's okay, or Florida's okay now, we still have to take into consideration Nevada, um, you know, Oregon, and, and these kind of places that don't really seem to make the news, but when sports kicks in, all of a sudden, there's people there, and, and there's, there's games there. So I, I'm with you. Until this curve is nationwide flat, how can you say, okay, it's safe to play now? But even still, let's say we got to that point in a in a month. You know, and I, I don't know how this thing's going to roll. It doesn't seem to me that that's the marker anymore. And maybe I'm wrong. This is just the, well, the feeling. The marker is a I'm, vaccine. Let's face right. it. So if that becomes the marker now, where again, my my sense of it before was, and this this sucks and this is awful, my sense of it in the beginning was, 
we had to get it under control in so much as the, the hospitals could handle it and things. Now, if the goal is this thing has to be eliminated, this is a vaccine. And, and, and I, as optimistic as I've been about this and getting this beat and get back to normal, one thing I do know growing up, or not growing up, living in the house I do now with the, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage, you know, is in the pharmaceutical industry. They may say a year to 18 you months. You have a word for that, Rick? What's that? His, his wife. Well, yeah, I, I like it. I like to, <laughs> I'm trying to jazz it up here a little bit. Gotcha. 18 months is even almost wow, ludicrously yeah. optimistic to have something coming out that would be effective and safe and could be distributed to the entire country. How long could we pause? I guess here's my question. Do you think, and this is only opinion, do you think there comes a point where we've done enough, we've done enough testing, we're comfortable enough that enough people have had it, where we're just going to have to say people are still going to get it, People are still going to die, but it's managed as much as it can be. We're going fully back to, and I'm not going to say life is normal, fully back to sports. If you're comfortable coming to the game and you still got a job and you can afford our inflated ticket prices, you're welcome back in. I feel less confident today than I did at this time last week that that's going to happen anytime in the next year or two. Oh, I'm very discouraged about the whole thing, and – Another point, I guess, Rick, we're talking about disposable income and everything. If you're talking about a year or longer that that things are shut down, I'm not just talking about sports. I'm talking about everything. Sports going to be the last thing people are thinking about after a while. Well, to a oh, absolutely, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and it's really not going to matter when they come back for a while. I mean, they may be back for a while before anybody really even cares if this continues like that. I think it's going to reach a point, and I know Florio is not going to like this, Uh-oh. but pe- people are going to have to get back out and get things going again, or there's not going to be anything else to go back to sooner or later. Well, yeah, that, that's just it. You can't even you, – you think about dumb things. We're getting way off sports, but who cares? <laughs> who cares? This is what's going on in the world. You know, it's just you you reach a point where even dumb things I think about where, you know, one thing you do here in places where either the the hospitals, the, the COVID was more under control, the social distancing worked, and they don't have a lot of COVID incidents at hospitals, the hospitals in general are, if in those places, and I know it's here in the hospital in my town, are more empty than ever because not only did – has the social distancing work or the COVID peak not hit here yet, one or the other, so you don't have a lot, if any, of that. Plus, nobody else is going for any other reason. You can't go to the doctor and get your colonoscopy, get your this, get your that. I can't go to the dentist. I can't do this. I think you're going to start to see a rise in these other problems, these other unmanaged health things. There there just has to become a point, and this is where sports, I think, steps aside, but it, it it's part of the conversation where you just have to say we've mitigated all we can do. You're going to have to take a risk or not. It's up to you, but we, we got to get going again. And that pisses people off. You know, you want your grandma to die. No, I don't want my grandma to die, but this is realistic. Right. I know. I, nobody knows what the answer is. And, and, uh, we just have to play it out and, and we'll keep yapping about it. But, um, you know, and maybe we did, you know, name our show incorrectly. I mean, maybe it's not just sports. I mean, it's not that simple anymore. Well, the minute something it, comes back, brother, it's just sports because I'm tired of this yeah, stuff. No, it is sports. <laughs> yeah. Yahoo. Yeah. But, you know, let, let's speak of sports. We, we did some grading um, a couple of weeks ago, so I'm going to put the trade to you. Uh, the Rams traded away Brandon Cooks and a 2000, I believe, 22 fourth-round pick to the Texans for a 2020 second-round pick, plus the Rams ate about $21 million of dead money to get rid of Brandon Cooks. So let's uh, go with the Rams. Let's, let's give out some grades. Well, see, that's what I'm more interested about, even in the grading, is they're willing to eat that $21 million. It feels like Brandon Cooks gets traded once a month. No matter what the sports dead period is, you can kill a segment of a bad home-based sports radio show on wherever Brandon Cooks was just traded to. 
And boy, for flashes, he looks like a great wide receiver, right? And then these teams can't get rid of this guy fast enough. And they're willing to, when you look at the Rams, $21 million in dead cap space. It's but the, baffling. But the, is, but the point is, Rick, they signed him when they got him from the Patriots, and then they gave him an extension. Right, yeah. And, now, and then he got hurt last year, really didn't play a whole lot, and now all of a sudden he's a hot potato that we just have to get rid of, which I didn't really understand that uh, unless they were just done with this cat. I don't know because I'll tell you what, in my mind, you know, we talked about the Andre Hopkins deal. That's an F on the Rams. I, I, I saw some of these other guys giving them Bs and C-pluses and this, that, and the other. But I tell you what, to eat that kind of dead money, to give up a um, uh, Brandon Cooks and a future draft pick, albeit it's only a fourth-round pick, but still it's a pick, and only got a second out of the whole deal. And they don't have any first. If, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, they don't have a first this year. Or next year. Well, and I guess that's why this is hard to grade. The reason I brought that up was there's got to be a pretty darn compelling reason you give up this guy for as little compensation as you got and you eat that dead money. What we don't know may change it, right? You know, I think, look, from a football perspective, they got enough receiver. You got Woods, you got Cop, you know, if everybody stays healthy. Cooks was a luxury. There's something we don't know here with it. And look, the, of course. the Texans in a vacuum, I'd say this is, uh, again, not knowing why he keeps getting bounced around from town to town. Not knowing, but so, but we know he's talented, right? So in a vacuum, t- try to take the DeAndre Hopkins trade out of it. Try to take the potential concerns that nobody seems to know what they are. Nobody has even postulated a theory as to why he's become the hot potato. So let's take that out in a vacuum. It's a good move for Houston, right? He, he is a talented right. receiver. You and know, they need a receiver. You know, he, he's for whatever reason, he's tagged with the injury prone. I think he's missed two games in the last three years or something I saw. So he's really not – he's nicked up prone, but lots of guys are that. So to say he's injury prone isn't fair. But when you put it in the context of the De- – so you, you went from having DeAndre Hopkins. You know, th- I look at it this way. Draft picks aside, because they're starting to wash each other out. There's so many mid-round draft picks going back and forth here. If someone would have said, all right, I'll give you Brandon Cooks, and I'll give you – who am I missing? Who's the other one they brought in? Oh, God. Oh, oh. Houston. Yeah, right right after Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb's the one I'm forgetting about. Yeah, Cobb. Right. I'll give you Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb from for DeAndre Hopkins. What would you have said to them? You you can start kissing my butt and never stop. No, I'm not making that deal. You can't take that context out, so I bump it down. It's a C move. You know, it's an upgrade to now what's a depleted receiver core. It's a weird trade. It's just weird all around. I, I think so too, and I don't understand. Like we, like you said, there's a lot of things we don't know. The dynamics in the Rams locker room, so forth, or his relationship with with teammates, etc. But on the surface, not just disregarding all Bill O'Brien's stupid moves. Actually, I didn't mind this one for Houston because, like you said, he got a talent. You get a talented receiver on a team that needs a talented receiver. You only gave up a second round pick and you're still getting a future fourth round pick. And basically you're not, it's not costing you anything. So, I mean, on the surface, I think it's, you know, Bill O'Brien actually redeemed himself a little bit, but the Rams, I just don't get it. There's, I have full confidence that there are things, obviously we don't know that precipitated this deal and it makes a lot more sense to the Rams than it does to us. Right, yeah, and that's what I, I just – I'd be curious about that because New England basically let them go for nothing, you know, and I don't right. I don't remember if there was any cap implications to it. He's only there for a year, so I don't even know. I didn't do any research on it. But then the Rams to eat that – there's something we don't know because he's a very, very, very talented wide receiver. Right. And when things are going right for him and he's in the right situation with the right quarterback – Boy, it looks good. So what don't we know? 
Who's to say he may, he may not be a Stephon Diggs type of situation? Could be. He, he's in there with with um, Woods and Cup, and he wants to be the man. And maybe this is a, a scenario where he will excel. He's going to be the number one, unquestioned. He wasn't that in, in Los Angeles. When Cooper Cup was healthy, he was number one. Woods was number two, and, and Cooks at best was was a low two or the third on that rung. And maybe he didn't like that. I have no idea. But maybe this will suit him. It's hard to say because Deshaun Watson certainly needs somebody he can rely on. Right, and I think the thing is, and again, it does, in a vacuum makes perfect sense for Houston. And it may still make sense irregardless, but I, I guess the thing is it almost slaps of desperation basically a move you wouldn't have to make a second round pick you wouldn't have had to give up if you'd have held on DeAndre Hopkins and as deep as the wide receiver class is in this year's draft I would much rather have DeAndre Hopkins and whatever wide receiver falls to me in the second round and a potentially good one is going to fall so I think it gets clouded in that right it really is a good move from a football sense but everything swirling around it makes it really hard to swallow for me. What did you think of Rick Christian McCaffrey gets a $64 million extension kind of in the light of Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott and getting those big deals. Is Christian McCaffrey the exception or is this the kiss of death for a running back when they get that big deal? I think it's just an overall mistake on any football team that throws that kind of money at a running back, um, it may pan out just fine. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's just dumb. But I think if there is ever such a thing as a foolish gamble with that kind of money, it, it's on any running back. I don't care who it is. It's not just McCaffrey or Gurley or whoever. It's any running back in, in my mind. And I tell you what, it's um, – it's going to be a tough nut to swallow if he happens to go down with a knee injury or something of that nature. If he has a year like he did last year, oh, man, it was brilliant. So, I mean, it, it's a gamble. It's one I think they probably could have gotten off a little cheaper, but, you know, it, it's hard to say. I mean, he's a special player. Are you swayed at all where I've kind of finally come around to, and I would slow to do it, and this ties into fantasy football stuff I don't, I don't want to get back into, but I was slow to come around. we got to quit paying running backs. You know what I mean? They just don't last. But I, I finally gotten there in the last year or two. However, are you swayed at all, and I'm saying I am, that by locking up Christian McCaffrey, even with that money, you're locking up a – top two or three running back in this league plus your team's number one wide receiver on top of that now it makes it exposes him to more risk injury wise which is the reason you don't pay a running back right but when that when a guy when an offense swirls entirely around this guy and not just one facet of the offense both facets of the offense that's where I'm less averse to the risk, I would say. I, I Easier to yeah. justify to me. There's probably still folks that don't want to do this because of the RB after his name. I am swayed by that. Yeah, and I mean, it's a very good point. He actually got a type of deal that Le'Veon Bell thought he deserved. Right, you know, exactly. He got the Le'Veon the Bell deal. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, is it stupid? Certainly not. It, because this, this guy is a special player. And it's not with another team, which, which to me is a huge difference. We've seen him do this in Carolina. It's not like Le'Veon Bell. He's going to the Jets, which you have no idea running back going from team to team, how they're going to perform, how they fit into that scheme, how they get along with the coach. This is a seamless deal here. He's still with Carolina, and he's locked in there. And, you know, from that standpoint, not bad at all. And I'll tell you what, with with this team specifically, and, you know, we saw the success with Cam Newton and then with Kyle Allen, but you bring in a Teddy Bridgewater who's known for a lot of things and a lot of good things. What he's not known for is pushing it down the field. So it seems like you brought in a quarterback, you know, that should work well with this running back. 
You know what I mean? And so Similar it, back to Kamara. Right. Yeah, so it seems like in, in that regard, the move really makes sense. And I, I don't – I didn't see and I, we could look it up. We only got a minute left here. You know, the structure that if that money's kind of front loaded this year, a year or two, then it makes perfect sense. Right. Cause we right. all know the last two years of any NFL contract are nonsense anyhow. So I don't hate it. I'm if he was just, if he, the Ezekiel Elliott deal, I didn't like, you, you know what I mean? The, right. the potential Melvin Gordon deal, the one he wanted, I didn't like. With Christian I didn't Mc- like the girly deal. Right. The Christian McCaffrey and what he brings and the way that offense revolves around it, it, it makes sense. It's risky, but it makes sense. Exactly. All right. Well, we are out of time. Thanks so much to everyone for joining us. Thank you, Rick, for what the work you did over there in Studio A. Not a hiccup, not one. I hate giving you credit, but I'm going to do it. Show sounded great. We will be back next week. I have no clue what the hell we're going to talk about, but what I do know is we're going to talk and we're going to talk a lot. Bill O'Brien may make another deal. We don't know. God, we hope so. So it'll be draft week next week. So check out everything at Asylum Football on Twitter, at 12OZ Sports on Twitter. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care.